Hello, my name is Thomas Davis. I'm Minister of the Free Church Congregation in Carloway on the Isle of Lewis. Hello, my name's Andy Longway. I'm the Minister of London City Presbyterian Church in the heart of our nation's capital. And welcome to the Jesus Today podcast. We are delighted to have you with us again. This is the start of season two uh, after a nice refreshing break over the summer. Uh, we are really looking forward to uh, uh, being with you over these coming months uh, as we look forward to having lots of guests, lots of conversations, lots of laughs, and above all, to talk about how following Jesus is just brilliant. So a very, very warm welcome to you. Uh, a reminder that you can get in touch with us anytime. Uh, Twitter, uh, you can connect with us at Jesus Today Pod, uh, and you can email us at hello at jesustodaypodcast.com. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. And interestingly, over the summer, uh, there's been a massive, massive debate, um, which uh, has, has raced <laughs> through uh, about five of our friends, if we even have five friends. <laughs> and that is the big question of favorite ice lolly. This was the this was the he's right, I'm wrong at the last uh, uh, on our last episode of, of season one. It's prompted a response. And I believe Andy. that people, people, are, people have got are... good taste, Thomas. Um, the mint chalk chip. <laughs> mint chalk chip is actually like... coming back. People have responded well to that. So, But I have to say, though, I have to say a special shout out goes to David Ferguson, who came to us with the Emperor of Ice Lollies. What was that? The Sparkle. When was that even in existence? <laughs> is this something from the Dark Ages? <laughs> Sparkle, anybody born before 1985 is going to remember <laughs> what a sparkle is. A sparkle, just ultimate refreshment, lemon, lovely, amazing. So uh, I overlooked that. I have to say, David, sparkle is 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 a massive contender for best for best ice lolly. And I mean, Andy, your lack of knowledge of the sparkle just shows like how how kind of just how deprived this younger generation is. <laughs> Well, David, thank you for that. I'm going to go read the history books and try and discover what a sparkle was. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there's one in the museum here in London, you know. <laughs> well, Thomas, we've it's been a long time since we last recorded our last episode. It's so good to get season two underway. Uh, and the favourite part of our um, podcast is when we come to He's Right, I'm Wrong. And just before we got on this call, we discovered that there's an area of significant disagreement. And again, it it's actually now a revelation of how deprived <laughs> you are um, as an individual. I thought you were a well-rounded human being, you know, cultured and a lover of all things good. It turns out Thomas is not a lover of literature fiction the greatest works of uh history he he's got no appreciation so i'm going to run through some of my favorite classic texts and see if thomas what he thinks of them right so let's start with one of the greatest british authors ever william shakespeare thomas what's your thoughts don't like him what <laughs> surely at oh, school you had to read some of his amazing masterpieces that, that that Andy is why I don't like him. I was made to read Midsummer Night's Dream. I, I, I don't get it. Don't I? Don't get the fuss. I don't get it. I'm like, I mean, like everybody talks about Shakespeare, and I, I read it, and I'm like, I don't, I don't get this. I don't, 
I don't get it. Oh no, just doesn't does not. Girls do got the me. Victorian era. That's Charles Dickens or Jane Austen. Never. I I think as a child, I found a book. I found Charles Dickens in a bookcase at my house. My parents are big readers, and I took Charles Dickens. I think it was Taylor Two Cities. I read about four lines, and I was like, "This is rubbish." <laughs> not reading the rest of it. Thomas, that's like one of the most significant <laughs> openings to any book in the history of the world. <laughs> Preachers use the opening to the Taylor. T- oh my goodness, Thomas! What? Okay, modern books like modern um, J.K. Rowling, Harry Potter. I have never read a page of Harry Potter in my life, and I never will. Oh my goodness. No interest at all. <laughs> no interest at all. And uh, I'm afraid, like, you know, if you, if you want a book, like, so the kind of book I would like, I, I, I would love, I quite like picking up a book. Well, I mean, I love now reading, I like reading history, I like reading reference books, but the kind of book I would have loved would be like, like a puzzle book. That's a good book. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Gotta do like mazes and stuff like that. Spot the difference. That's, that's my kind of thing. An atlas. I just sat with an atlas as a child, reading an atlas all the time, looking at maps. Yeah. Love that. Love, love. I can look at maps all day long. But oh, honestly, Andy, like, do you really like I that stuff? It. Like, like fiction, you know, you're reading and you kind of like, I'm just, I start and it's like, oh, come on. Like, you got like loads of pages describing woodlands and. <sighs> like birds and i'm just like i'm oh i I doesn't do it for me that's all well i interestingly over the summer one of our friends got in touch with the podcast uh, robbie sweet shout out to robbie robbie's um at christchurch glasgow with our good friend jonathan de groot has also got good taste in all things um and robbie had listened to our podcast on rural versus urban london versus lewis and he recommended that i should read Wendell Berry. Now he's one of the most famous living, but you wouldn't know novelists, essayists from the states. Um, he's a huge lover of all things rural. He's a farmer, and he recommended that I read one of his novels, um, Jaber Crow. And so I've started reading that. And Robbie, thank you so much for the recommendation, Thomas. Okay, I'm going to set you a challenge. You need to read this novel. It is set in a fictional town called. Port William in Kentucky. It, the 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 main uh, character Jay is the narrator, and you just live in his head. He was born in this fictional town, then ended up in an orphanage, then went to the big city of Lexington, Kentucky, then returned to his rural town, and you just live in his head for thirty years as he's given up uh, pursuing a career as a minister to just be the town barber. But he gets all the stories okay. of the people, and you just you just live in his head. There's a bit of love story. It's got it all, and it's it's actually about just the. It's hard to explain what it's about, but it's his story and his reflections on this tight knit rural community with all the personalities, all the ongoings, um, his assessment of things, and yeah, Thomas, you need to read it. It is okay. wonderful. Well. I'll I'll take up that challenge, but it will be a challenge because the last piece of fiction that I read was probably the very hungry tap caterpillar, uh, or dear zoo. <laughs> this is going to be a real... level of reading. <laughs> I can't believe you don't read fiction. No, I will take up that challenge. That's un- I can't What's believe that? you don't read fiction. I don't read fiction, and I don't really love movies either. To be honest, I mean movies are okay. I, I like watching movies that I've already seen because then I know what happens. And if I'm watching a movie I've not seen. 
I just go on Wikipedia to try and find out what happens because I don't like tension and I don't like not knowing what happens. You are and, um, so boring. I'm just, I'm just, I'm hopeless <laughs> like that. I'm hopeless That's like that. So underdeveloped but, yeah, imagination, the, Thomas. In my defense, in my defense, uh, I do love reading. Uh, I love reading history. Love reading theology. Love reading uh, non-fiction. Just, just the non-fiction. Yeah. Just meaty non-fiction. Yeah. So systematic theology, historical books, maybe biographies or, or historical works, um, modern theology works, and the roadmap. Reading the roadmap, reading the atlas. <laughs> I love doing that. That just information, just cold hard information. I I like all of that. I've got no time for fluffy literary devices. Aww. Just cold hard facts. Well, listeners, <laughs> here's the question: fiction or non-fiction? Love it or hate it? We'd love mm, to hear yes. what you think. Absolutely, please back me up. Please, please back me up because uh, I feel I feel very um feel very exposed in my uh, my lack of knowledge here with fiction, but. Uh, uh, I'll do. I will read that that that, that kind of Wendell Wendell whatever I'll send his name you a is. Link. I'll send you the link now. Excellent. Right. Oh, good. Oh. I blame. I blame my school. I was given all these books of English for English that I hated, and I didn't like that. Put me off reading fiction. So, but um, if it's as good as Dear Zoo or Hungry Caterpillar, then then excellent. I'll be. I'll be. Happy. Brother, you are so deprived. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Well, we are so delighted to have you with us uh, as we start season two together, and we're really excited uh, for uh, for the coming weeks and months together. Uh, as you know, our podcast is called Jesus Today, and and what we want to think about is is um, uh, about the challenges, opportunities, and blessings that we have as followers of Jesus uh, today. And we want to just kick off uh, season two by talking about the fact that sometimes, as we're following Jesus, um, very often we're actually stumbling and uh i think it's 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 something that that we maybe don't think or talk about enough um often when we when we uh, think about our our lives as disciples as followers of jesus we want to think about the areas where we're doing well we want to try and in many ways often put our put put across a you know a good impression to make it look like we're we're that everything's fine when really um the truth is all of us stumble and struggle along as we follow Jesus. And so we were going to just chat about that today, some of the different ways in which we are we are stumbling, uh, some of the uh, ways in which you know, we've, we've uh, maybe felt weak um, in, our, in our faith uh, or wobbled in our walk, uh, and also to talk about the things that have helped us. And so uh, we hope that that will help you, um, and we hope that it, uh, it helps you to see that, that Andy and I, we are, we're not here as, as expert followers of Jesus, we're here as, uh, as just stumbling followers mm-hmm. of Jesus. Uh, and it's the fact that he keeps holding our hand um, that we keep keep on going. So, Andy, um, yeah, kick us off. Tell me some of the things that maybe have, have made you stumble uh, along the way. Yeah, I think beginning with, in many ways, the, the heart of the Christian relationship is talking to God, prayer. I think prayer is a huge area mm. of struggle in different seasons of life. There, there definitely are those seasons in life where... Um, I can find myself just del- so loving communion with God, spending time in his word, spending time talking to him, spending time bringing up, uh, presenting the needs of myself, my family, the, the church community. But then there are other seasons of life where there, you know, you can go through a day and wonder, I- I've not prayed. I- I'm, 
maybe some mm. arrow prayers in the moments of desperation over different things, but not really enjoying communion with God. So I, I think prayer has definitely been one of those things that's really hard. And um, I, I go through seasons, I get so easily distracted in prayer. If I don't plan to pray, mm-hmm. I, it, 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 I fa- it'll be a failure. Inevitably, I'll find yeah. something else that will distract my mind. And even if I start praying, I'll just get distracted. And so if, I pr- if I'm going to pray, I either tend to do it when I'm um, walking or out, out and about or just walking through the house, thinking about things, and um, or if I'm praying for the congregation or I'm praying for different needs, I have to do it whilst I'm typing it up. So I'll write out my prayers like journal um, with an open Bible. Okay, wow. Um, I, if, if it's me sitting down sometimes just on my own on a chair, I get so quickly distracted. Um, I find that one of the best places to pray as well sometimes is on the tube um just okay. because and and on, on the tube you can just um sit no one talks to one another and so all heads go down at the phone and if i can just open up my notes on my phone and just put down the names of people i've just met or i'm going to see and pray for them or pray for things that, that are weighing heavily um i think one of the biggest gifts that, that i've i've come to really appreciate is prayer meetings and praying with other brothers and sisters i feel Mm -hmm. that my richest times in prayer is actually hearing other people bear their souls talk to god um express their their hopes their aspirations present other people just hearing how their their heart of prayer um Mm. i found that hugely helpful there's been so many times where even i'm leading the prayer meeting i'm thinking oh prayer meeting need to get ready for it and then I leave the prayer meeting and I'm so uplifted and so nourished, so thankful to have been there because there's, there is just something so powerful when we pray corporately. And so, yeah. Um, but yeah, prayer has been a huge struggle. What about yourself? Yeah, it's so interesting. Yeah, I mean, I think that's just it's a really helpful to thing to think and, and talk about because I'm, I think I think it's something that, that we all struggle with. It's and, and so much of what you said, I can, you know, I can I can echo and. I think one of the things that I find one of the big challenges to my prayer life is is busyness and and especially when I feel like under pressure and I think that you know when there's when there's days you know sometimes when you wake up and you know, you're about to, to to go into the day and you're just conscious there is loads to do today and there is not enough time and there is just this constant voice in my head that is saying there's not enough time to pray just get on with your work get on with your work and and I find it like and, and I often succumb to that voice and I think oh yeah I'll, I'll pray in a wee while and I'll just get started and then of course the next thing I know it's five o'clock and I've, I've had no word of, of prayer and I think that that kind of that time pressure is is something that I've I've definitely you know that's definitely kind of impacted my prayer life and uh and I think that you know what what you said there I think is so so helpful you know just just to come back to that, I've I'd never thought of actually kind of writing out a prayer, or writing out prayer points as I go. That that seems such a such a helpful thing to do. Um, and but I can just I can also say you know the, the the benefit of of praying with others I think is is yeah just cannot be overemphasized because I've often found that that's brought me back to a livelier place in my prayer life. You know where where sometimes just if it's just on my own, it's like. Um, when I'm just praying on my own, um, you know, there, there are times when, you know, it's, 
really special and I feel really close to God, but but very often it feels like it's just sort of like a battery that's slowly draining, you know, and um and yet if I'm praying with other people, recharges mm. that battery and re-energizes my my prayer life. And I think that that's a, a really helpful thing to do. And and one of the things that's I suppose really important to recognize is that, you know, very often we have to kind of fight against feelings that 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 we we, we don't want to do that. And one of the things that's really helped my prayer life is um we once a month on a, on the first Tuesday of every month we have a we have a, a Zoom prayer meeting at seven a.m. in our congregation. And there's just a few people go, just just three or four, and I mean this is maybe a terrible thing to say, but every time the alarm goes off at ten to seven, I'm like, oh, why are we doing this? And then by half past seven, I'm thinking, why don't I do this every day? This is this is just so good for me, and and this has helped me so much. So. Um, yeah, praying with other people um, is is really helpful. But what you said there about typing it out, I think I'll try that. Like, that sounds really helpful. I think, you know, just as we're chatting about prayer, one of the things that I find hardest is when you know that prayer is, you know, it's the greatest gift. What, an, what a privilege we have as children to go before our Heavenly Father um, in the name of our elder brother Jesus and depend upon his spirit and just have that living communion and union with him. Um you know, apart from God, we can do nothing. But with Him, who gives us strength, we can do all things. You read the scriptures, and you see Christ's own dependence on His Father, His prayer life coming mm. apart. Um, and I think one we need to to see that priority of the place of prayer in the Christian life. But two, realize that that <laughs> it's the most glorious, refreshing coming to Jesus, coming to. The one who loves to take our burdens um, and who, who knows we come to him weary and he loves to refresh yeah. our souls, breathe new life into us through the gift that is prayer. And um, I sometimes think that one of my, my problems is is that when I view prayer um, or, or the hard work of prayer, you know, going to a prayer meeting, sometimes you say, oh, I need to go to a prayer meeting. Yeah. But when you, pr- when you come to just appreciate it in that moment, oh, this is the gift. This is us talking to our Father in heaven. This is us praising yeah. him. And even one of the greatest spiritual disciplines I find, and I love it when other people do this in their prayers, is when you hear them, hear them thank God for things when it would be so easy to complain. Um, you know, when someone's suffering, yeah. whether it's with, you know, cancer or such yeah. like, or when someone's just going through a tough time and then you hear them pray and they're just giving thanks to God for all of his goodness and kindness towards him. Yeah. And it's in that moment, it's like, yes, Father, thank you so much. Yeah. Even this yeah. gift of prayer that brings us back to that place of thankfulness to who you are and for what yeah. you've done and for what you are doing and what you will do is, is it's just so refreshing, re-energizing, as you yep. said, that image of the it battery is. being recharged, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is. And and it's just that reminder. It actually helps. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm so guilty of this, like myself, that, you know, kind of... You know, looking to God for the big stuff, you know, like the, the maybe the big things in terms of what 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 I want to do as as a Christian or in in church, but then forgetting about God when it comes to the details yeah. and actually like forgetting that He's involved in all the little things that 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 happen and 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 because I tend to do that, I tend to like I sometimes need to have answers to prayer pointed out mm. to me, you know, where where somebody will say something and you're like, oh yeah. We prayed about that months ago, and it's happened, and I hadn't even noticed, you know. And 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 I think that's because I've, you know, I'm I'm too quick to kind of just forget, you know, and and, and not think in those terms. Whereas keeping coming back to prayer and and weaving prayer into every every detail of life, whether it's something big or something tiny, um, I think it's just a wonderful reminder of how 
interested God is in every single detail mm. of life, which is, is such a good thing to remember. Thomas, what are some of the other areas you stumble and fall as you seek to follow Jesus? I think that one of the things that um, I've definitely experienced in my life, and I think probably a lot of people do, and yet it's maybe something that we talk about very rarely, is mm. doubt. And I think that, you know, we 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 want to follow Jesus. We 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 are believers, you know, we have faith. Um and and because of that, you feel like the one thing that you really should never do or never admit to is doubting. Um and sometimes, you know, that uh, there just are are doubts. You know, like prayer's a good example. Sometimes you can be praying and thinking, Well, I, I don't know if I don't know if God really is 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 listening, and sometimes you know doubts about you know the 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 reality of God and of eternity. You think, well, yeah, is 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 that you know d- does that all work the way I think it does? And and those doubts can be there um, about the big questions, and I think sometimes maybe maybe this is maybe the biggest doubt um, or the doubt that probably affects me most is is just like maybe not a doubt as more a lack of confidence and you know so we're in a setting here you know in 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 a rural setting small church that's that's a lot smaller now than it used to be a community that's a a lot less interested in the gospel than it used to be and you know you think can god Mm. change that and i know that in theory the answer is yes but sometimes Sometimes my head is actually sort of saying, "Well, I, I don't know, I don't know," and 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 you just feel that sense of doubt, and 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 it, it it's and instead of being confident in God and in His power, um, you just just feel feel like you're stumbling along. Again, uh, I can echo that, and I think it ties in really well with what we're just saying there in prayer. Is that again struggle with in the Christian life? You struggle with so many doubts. Recently, I was preaching on um. Peter's denial of the Lord Jesus, and mm. or sometimes you can, and right before the denial of Peter is the betrayal of Judas Iscariot, and every disciple says, "Lord, is mm. I?" Um, and sometimes I've had the doubt, you know, am I truly a Christian? You know, the the disciples who were all following Jesus, they didn't yeah. know who's going to betray him here, and you have that yeah. imposter. And then there's other moments in the Christian life where does he really love me? can't like mm. like i know myself i'm not I, i've started or I, I see parts of myself and think does he re- can he really love me as he as he says in his word and yet the most amazing gift is prayer and we see in the book of yeah. psalms that you can take your doubts to god and when they're directed to him their prayer their worship the psalmist mm. is like how long oh lord um, yeah. you know, asking questions of the Lord. Why do the nations rage? Why do the wicked prosper? Why Why am I suffering? Why am I going through this? Why does it feel like, you know, the heavens are closed? Um, w- one of the most amazing things is, is that as Christians that we do have doubts and that God's shoulders are broad enough, his ears always stoop down to hear all of our worries, fears, anxieties and doubts and um, we can take it to him. I see it particularly as well when when there's a you know a, a calamity or yeah why why is why has this happened often you know when you're pastoring people and they've they've had a crisis of, of some sort and you lament with them you know you weep with them yeah. you don't have words to say 
But sometimes, yeah. you know, that even giving voice to the question of, Lord, we, we don't know why this has happened. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that's, yeah, so true. And, and I love what you said there, Andy, that, you know, bringing our doubts to Jesus, because I think, I think so often our instinctive response to doubts can be thinking, you know, right, stop doubting, come to mm. Jesus. Um, that's the wrong way yeah. around. It's like, come to Jesus yeah. with your doubts, come, come to Jesus and and he'll actually help you work through those through those doubts you know and, and i think that that's um i think that's just such a crucial thing to remember not to not to think that 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 we have to get ourselves back into that better place before we can then come to jesus but uh and the psalms are just an absolutely amazing uh amazing example of uh of 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 bringing those doubts i think the other thing that i've found over the years that's really helped me especially in in like the uh like the big questions, you know, the like the big questions about reality and about, you know, life and existence and eternity and all of those things. I used to be I used to be really scared of uh interacting with other approaches to to all of that. So, you know, I would be I would be scared of, you know, reading um, you know, like philosophy or something that 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 is opposed to to um to what the Bible presents, or or scared of what you know science might say, you know, in terms of, a, and and I used to just think, well, like the best thing I can do is just is just not not interact with those things, um, and and then you know that's not going to cast any doubt on my faith. Um, what I discovered was that that's actually the the completely wrong way to approach it, and and one of the things that's actually I think helped me overcome a lot of questions and doubts that I've had over the years. Is actually to have interacted with these things and to actually to look at at you know all sorts of different philosophies and to look at all sorts of claims that 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 might at face value seem like they're going to bring into question what the Bible says and and actually I find when I've looked at them I'm like oh actually actually like this this gives this does not give me what the Bible gives me and this this does not give me you know the 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 complete world view that 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 Jesus gives me and 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 what I found was that actually that 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 gave me a huge confidence a huge confidence boost to actually rest in the fact that Jesus really gives us he really does give us such a robust coherent satisfying worldview uh, such a satisfying way of understanding the world around us when I say worldview that's what I mean just how we understand the world around us and and I think that that's something that that was a really helpful lesson to me to realize actually, don't block your ears, you know, um, but actually be ready to listen and, and ready to engage. And, and you know, I, I couldn't do that on my own. I had to use I had to read, you know, Christians who, you know, listen to to, to to people who had interacted with these things and and who were able to lead me through that. Um, but I found that really, really helpful. Um, and I suppose it's just how sometimes actually growing in knowledge and growing in in maybe you know, just just feeding ourselves with with some some good strong theology, I find that really helpful. Yeah. Over the years. No, that's that's excellent. You know, just following on the background in a in a slightly different type direction of reading is that one of the things I think I've stumbled and fallen in my Christian life often is is reading the Bible or myself, my own quiet mm. time. I think one of the things that I don't do well sometimes in my own study now, especially as a minister with the privilege of studying God's word throughout the week, whether it's for sermons or Bible studies or various things, is that I can sometimes use my preparation for these things as my quiet time, as it were. 
And so mm-hmm. instead of me coming to a passage and reading the scripture just for, for one's own personal enjoyment, I'm reading it and thinking, how am I going to teach this? You know, what's the applications for the people that I'm yeah. going to be, be speaking to? And then I know that younger as a Christian, I think when I first became a Christian, actually, well, one of the things that happened was the Holy Spirit gave me this voracious appetite to read the word. And I remember mm. reading the Bible and you'd be sitting and, you know, at home reading your Bible for yourself. And I'd be light underlining every single word. Like it didn't even matter. Every verse, you know, I'm just <laughs> highlighter out, pen out. This is incredible. Wow. Yeah. Can't believe God you say this. And seeing connections I'd never seen before. And then there came a point where, you know, the, as it were, the Bible just started gathering dust, you know, on my bedside. And, mm. and I wasn't reading it with that same passion and zeal and the first love, um, it kind of started yeah. to, to dissipate. And I've gone through these different seasons of how how, how do you read the Bible? Because I don't feel like I'm doing this well. Um, and then you yeah. feel guilty because you sometimes think, well, if reading the word is the most imp- one of the most important spiritual disciplines that we can do, and I'm not reading it, then does God, you know, you, you kind of can have that sort of yeah. performance-based Christianity. Yeah. Does God really yeah. love me? Yeah. Am I going to, you know, I'm yeah. going to have a terrible day. And then you realize I've got such a warped view of justification and sanctification. Yeah. He loves me yes. in Christ. You know, he saved mm-hmm. me. And it's not my my Christian, uh, God's view of me is not based on what I do or what I don't do. It's based yeah. on what Christ has done for me. But then understanding that, you know, reading the word is one of the main means of, growth it's how we receive christ and his uh, benefits um and, and and grow in our relationship with him and i think there was one moment where there was a transformation i remember happened in my mind and my thinking so when someone told me that um the sermons that you hear on sunday are god's gift for you to mm. love and appreciate his word so God has gifted to his church pastors and teachers. And one of the gifts that they've got set apart, laid hands on, is they, they get trained in a seminary. They get to go and study the word during the week. And they pray about it. You're praying for your, your minister to, to bring the word. And then you, you go on the Lord's Day and you, and you get it morning and evening. And that in of itself, God especially blesses the preaching of his word to the upbuilding of his people. And yeah. I think I used to always think oh, it's, it's so much about my own personal reading time as well and going to a Bible study. But actually, in God's economy, one of his primary means for the growth of his people is to read the word, uh, to hear the word publicly read in church and then to hear yeah. it preached in church. Actually, we, we, we're in a very privileged position in the sense that we have a copy of God's word. The early church didn't have personal quiet times like we had the bible was read in context That's of church true. and so this is sort of like a modern development and i think i've come to really appreciate even as the one who preaches the word every sunday i'm preaching as much to myself as i am to the people i'm preaching to yeah and this is one of god's main means of nourishing my soul and making me more like yeah. jesus i think that's so so important to remember and and i think you know i've i've been guilty of that over the years you know where, where you kind of almost view the sunday service as just like the kind of well it's just like it's just like the basic thing that you do and it's almost like the good stuff is the stuff you do on top of that you know that that if you if you're doing something else on top of that well that's where you'll really get get helped and, and obviously you know all these extra things 
Bible studies, one-to-one stuff, reading, all of that is brilliant. But but I used to, you know, I, I almost had kind of, in my mind, I often had a Sunday service at kind of like the bottom of the list. It was almost like the, it was just like the kind of bread and butter and, and all the, the, the better stuff was on top of that, which is the wrong way around, you know, you know, to gather together as a family, as a church family on a Sunday morning, that's the feast. That is the feast, you know, and, uh, and, and I think that that, that is, is, is just a really helpful thing uh, to think through and to go, you know, to go there, to be, to be, to be fed um, and, and to, to, to go uh, with that sense of anticipation and hunger to hear God speaking through his word is, uh, and it's, you described it there, like as a mindset shift. And I think that's exactly what it can be, you know, just to, 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 to shift in our minds and, and, and see it like mm-hmm. that. And I think just to tie something else and on that, right. My underappreciation of the gift that is the Lord's Day, a Sunday, and now mm. my deep appreciation of it was another mindset shift. You know, yeah. I heard Sinclair Ferguson say this, that, you know, when we think of the fourth commandment, one of the emphases we always stress is that, you know, God has um, set, set the Sunday apart as, as holy. But we often forget yeah. that he says, six days shall you labor. <laughs> and so I used to just think... Um, Right, I need to be. I need. I need to work m- Monday through f- um, Saturday, as it were. Saturday often just as a great day of recreation, but then on a Sunday, I'm just so exhausted, and so Sunday was yeah. just like okay. But the one of the revolutions in my Christian life was six days shall we labor, and you know that's God doing the work that God has called one to do, and to do it to with the with all one strength, working to. The glory of our heavenly Father. That is an absolute gift, but He's also given you this one day set aside to make much in Him and to come and to rest in the finished yeah. work of Jesus. Not just to physically rest one's body, but truly to rest. And then it's the day of resurrection. It's the day of new creation, yeah. where God, by His Word, renews us. Uh, he, behold, He's making all yeah. things new. We are His new creation, and He He uses that day to to just you know. Um, quench our thirst, satisfy our soul's longings, to delight in Jesus, and I, I've just been absolutely blessed with just the recovery of the blessing that yeah. is the, the Lord's Day. Yeah, I think that that's such such a helpful point, and and I remember hearing someone say in a sermon, um, you know, often when we go to church on a Sunday, um, we we can think like we are depositing in terms of our faith you know so we're going and we're, we're kind of like okay right I'm, I'm 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 you know depositing in terms of my faith i'm, I'm getting back to church I'm, I'm i'm reading god's word and i'm i'm kind of depositing you know credit if you like into my account you know because that's what i need you know i've kind of um you know i've, I've, I've failed over the week so i need to go and just deposit you know good spiritual practices you know back and i do this by going to church and the person said that is the wrong way to look at it you are not going to church to mm. deposit you are going to church to withdraw mm. you are there to withdraw not from your bank account of spiritual success and failure but to re- withdraw from just the in, the 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 inexhaustible mm. riches of of god's grace Amen. in jesus That's and okay. you are there to withdraw from him to be fed by him to be recharged yeah. by him and i thought yeah that's just i, I felt that's just a really helpful way to because we like Monday to, Monday to Saturday, we are stumbling, and Sunday we need to go and just be refreshed, um, refreshed, renewed, recharged, um, and I think that's exactly why why God say, look, first new week, first thing you do, get, get together yeah. and worship me, and I'll feed yeah. you. 
one other thing that I think that uh, I, you know, struggle with a bit um, and that's made me stumble is often the kind of feeling that you're kind of on your own. Mm. Um, and, you know, we talk about these stumbles thinking that nobody else has them. Um, you know, so I've got doubts that no one else has. I've, I've got temptations that nobody else has. I've got failures. Uh, I've got um, issues of pride or um idols or whatever and and you just feel alone in 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 that and um you know you think you know sometimes i think i'm oh man i'm 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 probably the only minister who's not prayed enough on a sunday morning before he goes to church and things like that you think and you feel alone you feel like you're the only one um struggling i think that that can really make you stumble um uh along the way and i think for me what that's reminded me of is is how important friendship is as we follow Jesus uh, because it's only like like in friendship with one another that that we realize we actually have the same struggles there's so many times I've been encouraged by you Andy not just by the by the positive things that you've you've said to encourage me but also by your honesty and saying oh man I was doing this and I stuffed it up and and on the and on the, on the outside you know, I'm smiling and nodding, and on the inside, I'm saying, "Oh, phew! I'm not the only one who's who struggles with that." And I think, as we stumble along, our friendships, you know, in the in the gospel, are so crucial. That's so good. Um, I think I think you're yeah, being alone, you're thinking you're on your own in Christian life. I think you're, you've just nailed it in the head that one of the greatest um, gifts to that is spiritual friendship and. Ha- living in close relationship with others where even just in normal conversations you realize oh wow this brother this sister in christ they're we're, we're, we're actually very similar we're going through very similar things they might be different but it's a, a similar reality um yeah I, I i do think that one one of the the gifts that even the friendship um that god has given us thomas is is that so much of the richness of it and the fruit of it um, where where I feel it in my life of, of benefit is having another Christian brother that you can just speak honestly and openly with, and sometimes it's just a catharsis, really. Yeah, yeah. But it's someone who's like, oh, I totally understand that you know this. You are not crazy. Yeah. This is this is yeah. normal Christian <laughs> life and struggle, and that that is profoundly helpful. You know, it it yeah. the times where I, I know that in my own Christian life. You know, really struggled is when you feel like you're an island and you're on your own and, you, and you're not speaking mm-hmm. to other people and you're internalizing every thought and every doubt you know never really gets lifted up to heaven's throne it just stays in one's own head and, and one's own heart and you know you, you can have some dark nights of the soul as it were but when you've got friends yeah. and you've got that gift of friendship and i remember was it robert murray mcshane who said um you know, the man who loves you the most in life is the man who tells you the most truth about yourself. And I think Robert mm, Murray McChain mm. and his band of brothers with the Boners and, and others, you know, yeah. one of the things is that they loved each other and, t- you know, they speak truth and love to each other and say, well, here, brother, maybe that is something you need to look closer at, that idol, that sin, or point things out. And we need friends to point out our blind spots. Yeah. We need friends to encourage us and build us up. Yeah, that is so true. And I think, you know, it's 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 also, I think, sometimes helpful to remember that, you know, sometimes, you know, we can look at, at uh, um, other Christians and they seem so strong mm. and everything seems so fine. They seem so confident, you know, and and um, 
and sometimes that can almost be sort of frustrating because you think oh man they seem to be getting on so much better than I am but I think it's it's so important to remember that that sometimes actually you know some of our biggest expressions of strength behind behind they're often masking yeah. weaknesses you know and, and and behind that lies weaknesses and and you know for 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 everyone listening you know I think the, the big takeaway that we want you to, to to take from this episode is that you know if you stumble as you're if you feel like you're stumbling as you follow Jesus you are mm-hmm. normal you you are you are normal you're like us you're like all of us and and i think that that is that is the amazing one of the many many amazing things about jesus is that he he does not expect anything else he knows that that is exactly how things are going to be for us uh and that that and that's why jesus didn't say you know uh go and make disciples um and i'll meet you in heaven when you're done uh, he said, "Go make disciples, and I'm with you every step of the way." Amen, Thomas. That's so, 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 so good. We are so delighted to be sponsored by Christian Focus. Um, we're so thankful for this partnership and uh, um, uh, the work of Christian Focus has benefited so many people over so many uh, decades as they they publish uh, books uh, teaching the truth about Jesus, uh, staying faithful to God's word, but reaching out. Uh, to all peoples uh, all across the world. Uh, and so um, we have a book to recommend uh, for our listeners today. Andy, tell us a wee bit about yeah, it. Yeah, so Christian Focus has recently published a new biography on David Livingston, missionary, explorer and abolitionist. It's by Vance Christie. It's a weighty book, um, but it is excellent. Um, in fact, this week I've actually been in a bit of a, a David Livingston binge because I've had a brother over from Malawi, Confex, um, a fellow Malawian, and he came to London, was it last Saturday? And on Monday, we travelled up to Scotland um, and we visited the David Livingston Centre, his birthplace, and we went round the museum and we took a few photos in front of uh, the, the mill that he worked in and the, the home that he grew up in. And then we visited Glasgow Cathedral, and right in front of it is a David Livingston statue. And as we're standing in front of it, this gentleman walked along, and um, I think he was born and raised in Britain, but he lives in Italy. And he was surprised that there were two African-looking gentlemen standing in front of this statue taking photos. And he said, that man didn't do anything good for you. Um, in essence, he was a colonialist. And uh-huh. we were able just to point out, Actually, both of us are the fruit of his missionary labors. Um, David Livingston, oh, yeah. I think it's said that he saw one convert um, who was a, the chief of a tribe, mm. but he this the convert, I think, actually reneged in his faith, um, which is interesting. But David Livingston, yeah. he sowed the seed. He went to sleep. He yeah. went to his, his, his heavenly sleep as well. And little did he know that the fruit of his labors would produce generation uh, generations of christians and convex now are the fruit of his missionary labors wow. and he he was an abolitionist he was someone who before he even left britain he was very passionate and zealous about um the abolition rate of slavery and when he was in africa he he stood face to face with arab slaves and um, slavers and he rebuked them and he wanted to see an end to that great evil and so greatly thank- thankful for the life of David Livingston, greatly thankful that Vance Christie has, uh, as truly a labor of love, given this hugely comprehensive um, and judicious account of the life of David Livingston. Highly recommend it. 
Um, and I think it's striking. We, we come back to London and uh, convicts and I were over uh, in the west of London, Kensington, and right there we spotted another statue to David Livingston. There was a day and age where loads yeah. of people knew him and there are statues of him in Edinburgh and Glasgow and London. Wow, and today yeah. perhaps he's a forgotten figure well worth rediscovering. Brilliant, brilliant. Thank you so much, Andy. It's been so good to have you with us today. Thank you so much for listening. And um, and just both Andy and I want to say a huge thank you to you all for uh, for, for sticking with us and for your support uh, and encouragement. And uh, we hope that, that the coming season uh, is a blessing and help to you as we follow Jesus today. Thank you.